Welcome to nighttime here in Baltimore. <laughs> oh, I one of my first, probably the first podcast I ever like really, really got into besides uh, Serial, the true crime podcast, was this podcast called Welcome to Night Vale. And oh. their little intro, they always do like a little creepy thing. And then the announcer goes, Welcome to Night Vale. And I oh. thought you were doing that for a second. <laughs> and I was going to be like, Oh my God, have you been listening to Night Vale behind my back? <laughs> No, I have no idea what that is. <laughs> <laughs> Just went on a tirade that you have no idea about anything. <laughs> nope, no podcasts for me. Oh no, my cactus. Oh, but ADD for you. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to your cactus? Oh, I guess nothing. There was just, like, a weird shadow on it that made it look like it was split in half. But it's just <laughs> gr- growing weird. We're starting out strong today. <laughs> Actually, I do have a really fun announcement that uh, we should make off the top here. Um, we now- have a new hermit crab brother. <laughs> <laughs> um, we also have a new pertrin, but I guess the hermit crab takes priority. <laughs> A hermit crab brother, Julia. (laughs) I'm dead. (laughs) Not to naysay the hermit crab pets out there because, you know, we love them all. We love all the pets. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay. You tell the story of the hermit crab brother that you met this weekend. And then I... We'll introduce you all to our new patron. Oh. <laughs> Hermit crab does get priority then, huh? <laughs> no, I'm getting it out of the way so that we can spend more time on the people who are very sweet and support us. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. There's really not much to tell. Um, our So we have nieces and other sisters. <laughs> and our... Uh, our sister with children thought it would be a good idea to say yes to getting a hermit crab pet given the so background she lives at our parents house and did not get their permission did not do any research into hermit crabs thought they were like goldfish and only lived like a week oh no (laughs) and was like yeah sure whatever hermit crab like we'll just you know have it until we don't have it anymore um so it came and of course mom being the the every animal lover did research into this and also our our uncle has one I don't know if you know this but uncle Joel has one that has is like part of his family they take like really good care of it (laughs) because hermit crabs live to be like 30 (laughs) three zero 
Yeah, okay. So mom read something that said they live to be 30. I read something that said they live to be 10. Either way, they live a long time. That's a very long time. Yeah, I thought it was years. I would have guessed like in the three to five range, but I definitely yeah. would not have guessed. It's... I mean, even goldfish though, like don't they live? Well, they live. If you take, if you take care of them, yes, they grow and live a decent uh, lifespan. Right. And not they're like week long stints that pe- most people have them for because goldfish cannot live ingest jars of water i don't know if people know that you need to get like a little bubbler for it and like make sure it's not in anything round because it scares them oh really yeah well i think it's all fish you're not supposed to have round containers for fish because it just like distorts what's outside of it you know so they don't get like a good like their viewpoint is like weird and they just like end up going in circles Oh, that's so sad. Yeah, so... You... Now I'm extra glad we got this out of the way before we talked about our fun <laughs> fur trend. <laughs> anyway, we don't have any goldfish in round containers. We have a hermit crab that <laughs> our mother has taken complete ownership over because she's <laughs> like, no one's going to take care of this but me. So, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is true. So she got it like a nice, big, sizable container and has the appropriate number of shell options for it. <laughs> it's two per hermit crab. <laughs> oh, so they can change them out? That makes yeah. sense. Yeah, so they can switch around and grow into them. Um, and she got some like nice coconut fiber bedding for it and has Ooh. like a little like heating pad that she got for the side. Okay, and, well like, this hermit crab is gonna live to be three zero years old. Yeah, there's like a temperature gauge and like a humidity gauge. And she like <laughs> the first day that she put it in its new container, A, it was like so happy and like came out of its shell and was like running around. Oh, <laughs> little guy. But also she like stood there all day long and was like, Okay, it's too humid. To take the lid off. No, no, no it's not oh. humid enough. Put the lid back on. <laughs> it is true that no animal is going to enter that household and not be excellently taken care of. Like, yeah. fussed over to the point of exhaustion for everyone involved. It's true. And it's actually like, I remember, so I don't know if you remember this. Mom did not remember this, but I had a hermit crab. What? <laughs> yeah okay so no one remembers this except for me his name was ralph (laughs) okay actually ralph is ringing a bell but maybe i just thought one of the rabbits at one point was named ralph no i definitely had a hermit crab and we i can't even remember how long we had it for obviously not very long because no one remembers this we eventually gave it away um and i can't remember why or like why i had it It just, it was a thing for a little bit. But anyway, so I remember my hermit crab (laughs) and like taking care of it, obviously not to the extent that mom took care of it because I think I was in like middle school, but uh, Uh, the age of not taking care of anything, including yourself. (laughs) Yeah. But like it, it sort of vibed until we gave it away. And I remember like it being a really fun little pet. Like it was, you know, like cute and would like come out and I would take it out of the cage and like play with it and let it run around and like it was fun oh no I'm sure they're great I mean I clearly don't remember Ralph at all I'm so sorry Ralph but I mean I can imagine the novelty of having a cute little thing especially something so different from I mean there are so many other animals that they have or are growing up around this is obviously so different from all of those I'm sure it's a great experience but yeah it's a (laughs) <laughs> a great great experience that will uh 
be uh what's the right term supported by grandma (laughs) (laughs) yes well supported by grandma (laughs) but it's also a pet that's like a little bit easier for them to take care of because I think like their other animal that is no longer their animal it's grandma's animal is their cat Leo <laughs> Leo that is technically still theirs but also it's grandma's mm-hmm. and I think I think a cat is a little too much at that age to take care of because they're not like they're not to the point of like getting up at the same time every day or like looking for a cat if he's like off doing something else they don't really notice if like they haven't seen him for three meals in a row you know right yeah the way that grandma will (laughs) right no exactly (laughs) whereas a hermit crab they can come downstairs and be like yep still there let's feed him true and like especially at this point now with all of grandma's fun hermit crab accessories that she has bought um i'm sure it's gonna be a lot easier for them to kind of just step in now and you know feed him when they know he needs to be fed and does this hermit crab brother have a name is his name hermit crab brother um so giselle i think i overheard her call him crabby Mm, sure sure right um i suggested naming him after marcel the shell and calling Ugh. him shelly i was actually really prepared to be mad at you and be like julia if you were suggesting ralph too or something <laughs> some bullshit then get out of here but marcel the ralph shell jr ralph jr <laughs> julia jr <laughs> but no marcel the shell is yes excellent yes 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 yeah so mom and lee both really liked that so i I'm sure it'll be called Krabby sometimes, but Marcel is the more, I think, <laughs> widely enjoyed name. <laughs> Marcel is like the, like the, you know how racehorses have the like fancy name that everyone, you know, like yells happily when they're, why am I, do- why am I doing racing analogies? I've never been to a racetrack in my life. Like a, like a fancy pedigree name. Marcel the Shell is the name that we will all acknowledge. But then like Krabby is like the, the like when he goes to the dive bar, everyone calls him Krabby. Oh, yeah. Or like, how about an animal that you already know? Chuni, also known oh. as Pat Stevens. <laughs> also known as Guy. <laughs> also known as Trubbish. <laughs> oh, Trubbish. I forgot about Trubbish. Trubbish that's true animals can have more than one name do you remember the pharaohs our childhood friends had a dog that they just had too many people in their family they truly could not decide what to name this dog and it was so divisive that they just named but yeah what were the two is um cougar lily cougar lily right half the family wanted cougar the other half wanted lily and so they just crammed them together because they were like well we're all stuck here with each other so we might as well (laughs) call her cougar lily (laughs) But it kind of makes sense because, like, Tiger Lily's a thing. Why not Cougar That's Lily? True. That's true. I mean, I'm not naysaying it. I'm just saying just this will happen. Another big cat Lily. I'm just reporting the news, Julia. <laughs> the news from 25 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can I tell you about our perch right now? Yes. yes. How many hermit crabs do they have? Well, none, but, but get uh, ready for this. Uh, so, Rachel Tucker... Thank you so, so much. We're so thrilled to have you on board. Our little perching kitty float in the kitty parade of kitty sleuths. Per team. The per team. Stop it. Why have you not? (laughs) 
busted that out until this exact moment. We've been doing this it's for almost a we- year. <laughs> it's because we usually record earlier and I'm not quite as drunk. <laughs> Julia! Okay, I am sending you a calendar invite for this time every single week. <laughs> perfect, perfect, perfect. Okay, Rachel Tucker... So Rachel Tucker is a delight and I sent her a little message and was asking her about her, um, any other animals that we could shout out. And she said she has two pets to shout out their family cat named Kitty, who is a goofy black cat that apparently she was named after, uh, Rachel's grandpa. And so the name just stuck, which is similar to our family. We have, uh, don't we have a, we had a kitty. Grandma Eva had a, a kitty. Grandma Eva had a stream of kitties. <laughs> oh, kind string, of like snowball one of kitties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Aww. she had only white cats and she named them all Kitty. Oh, I don't remember them being white. I mean, I don't remember Ralph. I don't remember half of our family history. Yeah. You do. Well, her cats were not quite i mean they were like working farm cats. They weren't quite as like prominent in the household as Mike. Oh, right, Mike. Yeah, that's who I was mostly remembering. Yeah, was yeah. Mike. Um, okay, but Rachel gets... Who was, was a dog. Oh, that's right. That's right. We should, by the way, clarify. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we had a kitty in our family. Well, numerous kitties, apparently. Um, <laughs> but yeah, apparently Kitty's a goofy black cat. Um, but Rachel also has a <laughs> guinea pig <gasps> named... Uh? Wait for it. <laughs> Petunia Tater Tot. Mo. Isn't that the greatest? <laughs> and Rachel says she is a fluffy, multicolored gal. Oh, I true. love it. Yes. So thank you so much, Rachel. We're so, so excited to have you on board. We are, despite previous intentions here, more excited about you than our hermit crab brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We can officially say. <laughs> so thank it's you true. <laughs> um yay guys also welcome to paranormal captivity welcome to the show welcome. where we're talking about radio shows talking about radio shows um yeah we are about to talk about a radio show good segue that was my segue good work um you guys we are back into the cat who and i'm so happy about it yes not that i didn't to coco i did love our diversions i loved our summer flings with nancy drew and the bailey school kids but yep yep those were great those were great but at the core what are we gonna do when we run out of cat who books you know julia i thought of that today and we're just good we're just gonna suppress it and we're not gonna we're talk just about not it. gonna <laughs> we're just never gonna run out of them is the upshot here so yeah don't want to talk about that but okay. we do want to talk about okay. the cat who went into the closet cat who went into the closet woo, woo, woo. yeah we have heard mention of quite a few closets in this book it's true and like right off the bat yeah it's almost like julia read the first couple pages and didn't tell me did i (laughs) no i I was just kidding um because it really does start actually it has a kind of an interesting start so we are back with quiller and coco Mm -hmm. and yum yum and we are in moose county yet again yes 
Um, and it has another little interesting start. Lillian Jackson Brown, I think, is like playing around a little bit with the things that she could do with intros here. And uh, we get this whole scene of a newscaster who's broadcasting in the middle of a fire that's like raging, raging wildfire. And he's, you know, um, just really adamantly like telling news and like saying how half of this county has been eaten up and like by the fire and like, you know, this many. And it was like a lot of people, too. It was like 17 people died in this neighboring town and like Mm -hmm. 32 died in this other like running, fleeing the flames. And I was like, oh, my God, are we what are we talking about here? And then at the very end, you get to this whole scene and it's like, it's a little bit like, um, um, what's the one that Orson Welles, the alien invasion one that everyone thought was really happening? War of the Worlds? Oh, yeah. War of the Worlds. Yeah. It's a little bit like that because it's like, as if it's happening. And then you get to the end and there's like, applause, applause. Yes. Great. Oh, my God. And then you find out that it was a play at the end of this little intro. And that yeah. Quillerin was the yeah. newscaster. I know. I was going to say not just any play. <laughs> <laughs> Written and directed by ours truly. The Written one and starred in by directed by Hixie. Oh, true, true, true. Although yeah. I would put give Hixie... the gal some credit. <laughs> no, true. I would put her more in the producer role, though, than director. Um, yeah, she might have been producer maybe producer and director sure why not i mean it was like a 50 50 split when uh later on in the book quillerin did say she was half the show that's true and it really is just the two of them doing the entire thing in an absurdly truncated amount of time (laughs) yep pretty much quillerin like literally writes this play in one like a 45 minute play in one evening and then they spend like two weeks, I think, rehearsing it. And it's like, I don't think that's not how things happen usually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that was, I mean, that was pretty much the whole like first chapter was just them getting this play set up. Yeah, it really was. It was, I was actually thinking this whole section definitely has its little bits of drama, but for the most part, it really goes hard back into what we always joke about the like, Quillerin, Aaron run Quillerin runs Aaron's bit, or like Quillerin goes to dinner bit. Like it's very, mm-hmm. it was it was almost a little slow to start. I would say it was a little slow to start. Yeah, I got most of the way through chapter three and was like, man, we're not gonna have much to talk about. Yeah, like, I think chapter four there was a little bit more, but there's still like not a whole lot to go into there is at least some to speculate on though there is yes yeah so we should dive into it yeah so after our little like intro our little glimpse into the play it kind of like rewinds a little bit to like two to three weeks beforehand when they're trying so like he quillerin and like arch and hixie and mildred I think, I think yes. I think I'll so. get they all get called together because they're like, you know what? Moose County is cold in the winter. Pickaxe gets real boring. What can we do to like boost people's morale in the middle of winter? So they're like tossing out some ideas here and there. And they like I got a little mad at this. They like real hardcore, like slammed well, not real hard hardcore slammed. They like side eyed Mildred's idea of like cook-off slash nutrition fair 
And then Hixie was like, we could make it into like a restaurant week. And I was like, oh my God, that all sounds delightful. <laughs> and I would be like a thousand percent into that. Yeah. And it's like an actual, but, like well thought of thing in most cities. Restaurant week is like a huge deal. Right. <laughs> yeah. And like they pitched like we could, you know, like integrate some cooking classes and like new, you know, like some nutrition classes and like make it a whole big thing. And everyone was like, mur, mur, let's do a Christmas parade. Yeah, it was very <laughs> womp womp. And I did think it was really interesting the reason that they said that, because I think they were using that as a little scapegoat to kind of set because Hixie is not a reporter. She does work for the Moose County something. So this is a meeting that Arch mm-hmm. Riker has called for the Moose County something employees um, who are mostly reporters, except Hixie has been brought on as like the promotional like media person. Yeah, she's she's like an ad lady. Yes, exactly. Yeah, she's like their ad ad person. And um, they definitely use that whole like it's her and the food writer that end up building out that whole idea. And like Arch too does the thing of like, all right, no what like don't keep quiet, don't no time to think. Everyone just throw out your ideas without even thinking. And so they do, and the two of them come up with this like excellent food related idea, and everyone's like, Meh. But I think they use that to sit because the next line is like everyone was innately suspicious of Hixie's commercial leanings because she's like related mm. to ads. And it's like I think it was said a little tongue in cheek as like she's obviously the person who's actually making them money (laughs) but and like came up with a good idea but they're poo-pooing it on based on like silly old-timey like prejudice that like reporters are somehow better than ad people you know what I mean yeah well anyway I thought it was a great idea and it could have been like a whole month of festivities but they thought that a Christmas parade for one day was more exciting that's true which is not true with the Christmas Christmas parades are super lame yeah hot take i mean hot take here in july or in august (laughs) in august boo christmas (laughs) Uh, you know also seasons wise i have to say so i did just post that picture john and i i the holiest of holy days has happened the 99 cent store started stocking halloween shit and of course i started buying halloween shit immediately and so john and i were messing around and we had this like little plastic skull that we put on murphy while she was sleeping (laughs) to see how long it would take her to like be annoyed and knock it off so i posted that and now little did we even know this book starts in summer or no does it i feel like it start. or no maybe they were just talking about summer but basically this is high fall happening in this book it's true they do mention halloween by name oh thank god thank god also as a small aside sorry i know i'm derailing us immediately after we started but guys we do have such exciting surprise halloween surprises that are coming do we (laughs) (laughs) yeah just the the books that we're gonna read i forget already oh my god (laughs) you're not Julia, stop acting like it's not as exciting as it is, because it is so exciting. <laughs> sure, it's so exciting. <laughs> I'm excited to relearn what this is. <laughs> All right, I'll tell you later. I'll tell you later. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, 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 su- yeah, basically all of that last 25 seconds in a nutshell, super excited about Halloween. <laughs> yeah, I am like kind of already planning my um, cat costume. costume? 
costume. Well, I was thinking about being a witch because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I, I want a reason to like <laughs> wear a, basically a ball gown. And so I was I was going to make it kind of like a scandalous, like, like lacy top, but like big poofy black princess bottom. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Love it. Can you thinking about it? Can you? I also might uh, just order the the leopard print leotard from Amazon and go as a cat. Oh well, <laughs> yeah, definitely behind that. Um, I was gonna say you should get a matching poofy black lacy thing for Mushu. Uh, duh, <laughs> Mushu and Chuni and oh, he's running away already. He knows exactly what I'm gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> Mushu has more costumes than I do. Oh well, yes, no, that goes without saying. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Sorry. Where were we? Anyway. Anyways. Anyways. Um, I'm really excited for Michael's Halloween sale on pet oh, costumes. God, it's going to happen soon. It's gonna... It happens, like, the week before Halloween, which is the perfect timing. Oh, my God. It's so good. Okay. All right. Okay. Rain it, rain it back in. Rain it back in. Okay. Um, we are at the planning meeting. They poo-poo the food idea, which is just too bad, but... Yeah, we do get from it the burning of pickaxe of eighteen sixty nine. Also sixty nine. What up? Thought that was really funny. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> it's eighteen sixty nine. I know, so, but still. Like, yeah, I know. I know. It, it's still sixty nine. I'm just saying it's not this sixty nine because that's like when this book was written, probably. <laughs> True. There were a lot of. Um, Sorry, I'm going to keep making general statements instead of leading us down the actual plot of this uh section. Um, There were a lot of really good, like, like titles or like little blippy things because there was his the title of his play, The Burning of 1869. Wait, is that it? I think it was longer than that. It was like the burning, the something burning, the pickaxe burning. Burning Man? Bur- yes. Quillerin is definitely doing the Burning Man. Ooh, ugh, um, but the other thing I, I loved was I the... So we start getting a little... Quillerin is talking to um, Junior a lot uh, mm-hmm. of the Junior pickaxes. <laughs> good, good winters? Yes, good winters. Um, and he talks a lot about his grandma, who we've met before, Grandma Gage, who now has moved to Florida and lives in a retirement trailer park called, oh my god, why do I forget everything? I, like, made a mental note. It's called, like, Pink Sunset, Dusty Pink Sunset Hills or something like that. I honestly don't know if I read that part. Damn it. Okay, hang on. (laughs) No, it's so good. I gotta find it. I gotta find it. Where was it? It's, I'm looking up the the big burning of 1869. Oh, the big burning. That's what it is. Yep. The big burning. Here it is. Park of Pink Sunsets. Nice. Which I liked a lot. Yeah. Um. Okay. Back to the big burning. So the big burning comes from Quillerin's idea so Quillerin has indeed moved into the house which so we've been talking about this house for I feel like forever now Quillerin has been threatening to move into the house which I was picturing across the street from Polly but I don't think that's the case anymore I think Polly is actually living in the like outdoor house that's connected to this bigger house 
Yeah, she's living in the carriage house. So it's probably, I don't know if it's necessarily connected, but it's definitely on the same property. Yeah, I had no idea. I thought this was like across the street, like a semi respectable distance. Like it's not, it's still no, not respectable. It's like in the backyard. <laughs> <laughs> they are living together in sin, is what we're saying. Yeah, basically. And Quillerin, I love the part where it was like, Oh, and he like suspected that there would be lots of dinners and or breakfast. Yeah, like you mean dinners leading into breakfast? Don't yes. play with us, Lily and Jackson Prime. There was also <laughs> an excellent, like, very similar section where he does spend an evening with Polly. It's like after they have dinner one night, and he's like coming home and walking back to his place, right, like across the driveway, and he's like. Mm-hmm. Quillerin felt like the most contented he had ever been. Like he was so happy he spent two hours with Polly. And I was like, oh, two hours doing what? what Quillerin doing? <laughs> oh God, I love it. Okay, so yeah. basically, Quillerin in this meeting pitches the idea of the big burning of 1869 because he has been a snooping in the many closets the famed closets of this giant house of euphonia gauges which is her name her full name apparently there's over 50 yeah and the reasoning for it is very funny i find yeah it's pretty absurd the reason that there are 50 closets in this house is because apparently uh whoever built it back even farther than euphonia gauge i think which is junior's great grandmother just grandmother uh yeah grandfather maybe it was just his grandfather i'm not actually sure or great but... grandfather great great you know however wasn't it the like lumber guy yes it was it was the lumber guy whoever's last name was gage initially i think like that side yeah. um he spent a lot of time on boats and so he came back and he was like i want my house to be like a boat because apparently Quillerin said, like, weren't, like, most houses, because he was asking Junior about it, he was like, why are there so many closets in this house? And Junior was like, well, my grandpa was kind of into boats and, like, you know, as opposed to the style, I guess, in the 1800s where there were no closets and everyone just put all their shit in, like, dressers and, like, bureaus and things that were outside of, that were, like, pieces of furniture. Uh-huh. Um, he was like, well, like, boats had everything built in and he really liked that. So he had everything built in just in like a million closets yeah so the whole house was designed by shipbuilders and that is why it has the best wood den fixtures in the land (laughs) (laughs) that feels like a made-up fact (laughs) no it was part of the thing they didn't say wooden fixtures it was like decorative something or others i don't know they had a term for it but it was like the wooden I don't know. Well, that part is in the same place uh, that Ralph is in my brain. (laughs) Sorry, Ralph. Uh, R.I.P. Ralph. Oh, you don't know. I mean, it's been like a minute. Well, but if they live to be three zero years old. That's true. Maybe he's just like a giant 30 year old somewhere. I'm not sure they keep growing, although I like the idea. <laughs> I think they actually do keep growing. I mean, I'm sure they stop at some point. But if they keep changing shells and upgrading their shells, they, like, grow into them. Wait, seriously? So 
Ralph could be like a seven foot tall, 30 year old mm-hmm. hermit crab somewhere, like at a desk job. Um, I don't think they grow that fast. And also, what shell is seven feet long? <laughs> uh maybe he lives out in LA where there's a prop that was that big once. Yeah, maybe. All right, I'll have to look him up in the LA phone book. Yeah. Um oh my god, sorry. We have gotten like 0%. <laughs> we're Lucky still on like the first 10 pages <laughs> i know we're still in the same me- we have not even left this meeting maybe it's because this is the epitome of a meeting that could have been an email yeah it really could have been just like uh hey think about different events and shoot them back to me yeah so quiller is literally basically asleep in the back of this uh meeting and then finally after everyone is like no way to this food idea Quillerin's like, well, you know, have you guys all heard about the burning, the big burning of 1869? <laughs> Giggity. No, just kidding. He doesn't say that. But um, and everyone's like, oh, I kind of know about it. Not really. And Quillerin's like, well, a lot of people died. Do I have your interest now? And um, so then our, everyone's kind of like, oh, yeah, OK, that's really interesting. But like, what would it be? Or like, do you have any artifacts or like whatever? And he's like, no, not really. I just found a bunch of shit in one of the closets. And uh, so Arch is kind of like, all right, well, keep it on the burner. Let's all think this through. And, you know, whatever. We're going to sponsor some kind of event to, like, kick up the interest in Moose County. But we'll come back to it. And then uh, Quillerin and Hixie go out to lunch. Because Hixie, meanwhile, has had a brainstorm. Yes. So she's the one that actually comes up with the idea of doing this one-person play um, as if there were radios back in the day, which obviously, well, not obviously because I didn't know this, there were not in 1869. But yeah, I'm not sure like, I would have known that either. I think I would have guessed that there was like maybe radio waves that people were communicating over, but maybe not radio shows. I don't know. No, I think 1869 was more like the Morse code, like telegraph type communication. I don't know when radios were started. Probably later. I don't know. Anyway. um, Yeah, her idea was to pretend there were radios back in the day and have this one man show take place as if uh, a radio announcer a radio station host was uh disseminating the news as it played out um of the burning so it it's actually pretty pretty brilliant when you think about it because they don't have any pictures so they don't know like what anything looks like they you know only have kind of a written account and so they really only can read like a written account Um, right and so quillen agrees kind of you know with some reservations but he agrees to star in it because he's not learning lines he's just reading straight from a script so um yeah so the next the next big chunk is just him like writing out the the script and then rehearsing it and they have their first big show in front of a select group of like city officials that they hand invite um, yeah but then no one comes you know what well also, no one rsvps and so they true. they have yeah, to okay. do some like finagling and like some like a little bit of trickery to get yeah. people to come so junior writes a post in the newspaper that's like you know newspaper sponsors this like one-man show a select group of like 
um, like highly important like city officials and like you know social elites elites yeah or like I can't remember what they it was like community like not community stakeholders like community influencers or something like that they used like uh like a like fancy term to describe these people so then like after they read this uh this article about this like special viewing for these like you know influencers they were all like well i'm i want to be an i'm an influencer i want to go to this he basically uses all of the because everyone else i mean quiller and arch have lived in moose county for a while but Junior's really from Moose County. So he's mm-hmm. like, no, no, you guys worded this all wrong. No one's going to want to show up until they know who else is going to be there. And then we need to make them feel important. And so Junior writes a little news article about the preview. And then, it, like, as soon as it hits the stands, he's getting all of these calls that are, he was like, I told you, I told you. Yeah. So they have the show in Cooleran's new house in the ballroom. and it is like an instant success like everyone loved it it is such a cool idea and I'm actually just realizing it's so funny that we started this and I mentioned Welcome to Night Vale because that's actually a really similar premise to Welcome to Night Vale Welcome to Night Vale's premise it's the same thing it's a a news anchor for a radio show um as if it's like one guy like just talking and then there are other characters he doesn't do all, all the voices he does i think some other voices but it's him um kind of giving the news but it's in a town where basically like every conspiracy theory or creepy like alieny thing or like anything that's like kind of off or paranormal or creepy exists and is real so it's like you know he'll do news updates on like a giant glow cloud that has come to the pta meeting and is now you know trying to become pta president it's so funny and good but it's so funny that that's like such a similar premise to this guys go listen to welcome to night vale i know julia won't but you should (laughs) (laughs) i don't know what podcasts are (laughs) yeah this is just a phone call yeah for sure um so yeah it's like an instant success it's like partly quillerin's draw Everyone loves Quillerin and his mustache. Um, and partly just that they did a really good job. Like they've, they have this like elaborate system where, cause Quillerin does do all the different, they have a couple different characters. So he's kind of, you know, made it a little bit more interesting too, in the way of like, it's not just him. He's actually interviewing some people who are either in the fire or running away from the fire. And he does those voices as well, but he pre-record, uh, pre-recorded them. And so part of Hixie's job during the show is to play certain music cues at certain times so it sounds like Quillerin is talking to someone, not himself. <laughs> yes. Even though he is. <laughs> yes. And so, yeah. Yeah, it goes off really well. Everyone's super excited about it. We go through the entire evening in like half a chapter, even though it could have just been summed up in it was great. People mm-hmm. ate a lot of good food. Yes. Um, but we did meet his new next door neighbor at the after party, which I think might become important a little bit later. Oh, the lawyer? The lawyer, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I think like from here on out, it's kind of funny. It like splits into like two different stories. There's like Quillerin and Hixie's play life, and then there's uh this other storyline um with Junior's family and his grandmother. Yeah. 
so there's kind of like two different things going on in Quilleran's life right now um which I feel like we should just go ahead and say I know it happens a little bit later in the yeah but I can't really remember anything other than like any other important things that lead up to it well I think that's because not a ton not a ton happened (laughs) (laughs) so the basically the other big thing the other balancing thing that's happening here we do finally get because the whole time I you know I you get to like chapter three we read through one through four and no one has died yet and I hate to be the person that's like waiting for a death but there's gotta be a mystery somewhere I know it's a murder mystery book I'm kind of waiting for a death um, and it does happen in a kind of a sad way. It turns out that it, it's Junior's grandmother, Grandma Gage, who has moved to Florida. Um, Junior gets word. Well, really, Quilleran gets word that Junior has gone to Florida because um, his grandmother is found dead by her neighbor in the in the retirement trailer park. And the police suspect suicide or rule it. They end up ruling it a suicide. Yeah, which um, kind of immediately piques uh, Quilleran's interest because just, you know, in the previous chapters, it's been mentioned multiple times that um, Grandma Gage moved down to Florida and is just like absolutely thriving and like loving it down there and like maybe found a new love interest because she's like, you know, got a new beauty routine going on that everyone's like, you know, super noticing and she's just doing like much better down there than she had been in pickaxe even right and it's also said that she leads a very healthy lifestyle like she even too was leading classes for the other retirees on just breathing like proper breathing techniques Mm -hmm. so it's also led we're also led to believe that she's also you know, very health conscious and conscious of her body. Like she hasn't had any health problems. And that's also not to say that, you know, obviously people of any uh, lifestyle or any like seemingly from the outside, different ways that people are living can be depressed and, you know, can end up in places where, you know, they die by suicide. But the, this was a big kind of like a, an indicator, at least for Quillerin because we've actually met grandma gage before too and i think i think it actually was the cat who talked to ghosts maybe um or one of the early ones and she was like i remember she was like very lively mm-hmm. in, in it yeah a little um, bit of a spitfire yeah and kind of giving quiller and like even a run for his money and again not to say that there's any you know one way that you know people who end up dying by suicide act or don't act but it is a way that you know Quillern kind of notices and um basically that starts his his little mystery sleuth and gears going to be like oh I really just wouldn't have thought this woman would would end up dying that way yeah so Junior flies to Florida to uh to wrap up her estate down there and uh yeah meanwhile there's not a ton of like, I mean, everyone seems very sad, but Quillerin does very quickly go about his day. Um, he's also really nervous about, uh, nervous and cranky about the um, show. So the show instantly gets booked a bunch of other places, um, including a high school that they're going to. And Quillerin like really does not want to do it. Like he agrees to it, but then is like, I, I wish there would be a snow day. Are we going to have an earthquake? Why do I have to do this? Um, and so I think it's, you know, they find that out right before he has to go do that. 
Um, and so it doesn't seem like there's a ton of, it's only when Quillerin goes out to like, I think it's when he and Polly go out to dinner and there are certain people in the town that are like, oh my gosh, have you heard? That's so sad. It's so sad, but it doesn't seem to affect Quillerin's life very directly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Except that he has to go find a photo album for Arch Riker. Yes, which Coco kind of indirectly finds. Yeah, which I would give Coco the credit for that. Yeah, I mean, technically it was Grandma Gage's letter that directed him towards the photo album, but Coco was the one who found the letter. Yeah, so it was really interesting because so Quillerin looks all around the house. So Arch calls Quillerin to give him the news and then also to say hey we're running we don't have all the details but we're just running a um you know a quick news story just saying that she's died um of you know died died suddenly and can you find some pictures that we can print with that and so Quillerin goes through the house and he's like you know looking everywhere for any picture oh just a little yeah extra description of the house he's looking through some of these closets because all 50 of them are just like full to the brim of like oh. nonsense right right yeah like yeah at one point they say he says something that is in there right what was it shoot it was like all different things and it's funny because coco has been exploring them and coming out with like wine corks and like random little like trinkets yeah yeah and so now he has a drawer full of like coco's collection of things that he's been pulling from the closets which i think is really funny no i did love that oh and you know what i realized we forgot the purple ribbon of the night before yeah so the night before quillerin gets the call about grandma gage coco brings goes into one of the closets and brings out a purple ribbon to Quillerin that Quillerin is like oh this must have been Grandma Gage's means nothing because we did not describe Grandma Gage's obsession with purple oh right (laughs) (laughs) so earlier in the chapter we had um I think it was when a conversation with Junior maybe they were talking about Grandma Gage and how um much she loved purple and found it as like a soothing energy and you know she was really into like you know, the different energies of things. And she said that, like, anything that was purple revitalized her. Yeah. So we get the purple ribbon. So we get the purple ribbon right when Grandma Gage is dying in Florida. Of unknown circumstances. Of suspicious circumstances. Yeah, so Coco apparently knew. Yeah, so as soon as Quillerin gets the call, he's like, oh my gosh, like everyone was just talking about how healthy she was. And Coco brought me this, you know, ribbon. So it had a little bit of that, you know, the inkling of, um, oh, what was the, the the Cat Who book where they were in Ireland and mm-hmm. Coco acts funny, like across yeah. the seas. Right. So yeah, it felt a little bit like that because then Quillerin realizes and is like, oh my gosh, that could have been the moment that she was dying. And then we get some more Coco sleuthing because, um, yeah, Quillerin's looking all over this house and despite all of the cram-packed closets, he can't find pictures anywhere. And maybe it's because of the cram-packed closets, but yeah, he can't find like anything really at all until... He sees Coco doing his standard, like, standing behind the books thing. You know, he sees his little tail. 
like waving around Mm -hmm. and uh he's standing in front of two particular books that Quillerin is interested in and and also kind of looks at and is like I know now to you know follow the lead of my cat so I'm gonna see why this health book here is uh the one Coco's standing in front of and so he opens it up and it does indeed have a clue yeah, so it's a, a letter that Grandma Gage sent to Junior, and it's not very long. I can't even really remember, like, what else was in it, but it was, um, you know, asking for some things to be sent down, and then, oh, it was asking for some books to be sent down, but it described where the books were, and it was, like, right in front of these, like, photo albums, like, over here. Right. The and was like, oh, great, photo albums. So, like, they were exactly where she described them to be, and he found... um found a whole a whole slew of photos of grandma gage from childhood on but we do find too that they're all photos of her or her and her horse there's like nothing of her family yeah either like growing up family or later family um but either way they do use those quiller kind of slams them down on arch's desk and is like we're going to lunch and uh then it all gets a little fuzzy after that. They do... Oh, they have another performance booked. Yeah, so I think this is... Well, this has to be the high school performance. It's the only other performance we see. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah which this one was really funny because, I mean, we said earlier, Quillerin's like super cranky about it. Because um, he's like, high schoolers are going to hate this. They're going to be so mean. <laughs> <laughs> and terrible. And like, it was... Uh, a performance that was like uh, I mean if I were doing this performance I would be full of anxiety like everything that could go wrong like absolutely goes wrong <laughs> yeah oh 100% yeah like he's running super late and then he gets there with like eight minutes to set up and he's like freaked out and is like oh my gosh I couldn't even call um, Mildred to like let her know I'm running late and then he gets there and the principal's like is um oh Hixie I mean Hixie sorry um, then he's like, the principal is like, oh, is Hixie coming? And Quillerin's like, she's not here yet. <laughs> <laughs> she better be coming. Oh, my God. So both of them are like, so, so late. Quillerin at one point in the actual performance gets locked in a closet. It's very Nancy Drew. <laughs> it is. The, uh, yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, oh, my God, performances, people getting locked in. But despite everything, the performance does go technically really well like it has all these glitches but the kids fucking love it because it involves people like getting their arms burnt off and shit yeah very tragic but i mean kids are assholes so of course they loved it yes agreed it was like even the principal was like oh my gosh this is the best thing we've had here it's not only historic but like even the troublemakers loved it because you know they loved hearing people's arms burned off and it's like Mm, all right well of course they do but (laughs) still (laughs) yeah um yeah oh the other thing too about it was that they i guess it was in the gym so quillerin was like i did love the part where like so basically it's sorry i'm bouncing everywhere it was in the gym so they had to build the school had to build like a set for like a stage for them to be on Mm -hmm. and when they got up onto the stage it was like springy like they were walking on it and they were like this is gonna fall apart in one second Mm -hmm. (laughs) and i did love the fact that quillerin 
like as he was like running in with all of his shit that like even people helped him with they had like football players come help him bring shit in but even like as that's happening and Clarence like running around and setting up and like doing everything um he there's like a couple lines where it was like you know when Quillerin did college theater there were stagehands to help with all of this stuff but now he has to do it all himself and <laughs> I just thought that was so funny that like like college theater was really the place where you like had it made <laughs> right not that it's like not I mean college theater is great and can be very professional I just thought that was funny that he was like Oh, the perks and highlights of college theater. Now I am on my own. <laughs> yeah, well, college theater is also funded by the college. I mean, it's funded by your tuition, but... <laughs> right. Well, they're funded by the Klingenschcone Fund. Qu- Quillerin just won't shell out for anything. Yeah, no, it's true. I thought they were funded by Hixie. Well, yeah, no, they're funded by... Okay, so it is technically the Klingenschcone Fund, yeah, let's let's trace the money back on this because they're technically the newspaper is putting it on. So that was the whole reason for the meeting was that Arch was like, we're doing a pro like a promo thing. Mm-hmm. We're going to fund a thing, which the newspaper, the whole newspaper is funded by the Klingenschgun Fund. Right. It does all trace back to Quillerin, but he is like so detached from the money at this point that he's like i'm broke i don't spend money on anything (laughs) he really is like at one point he literally says to someone i have trouble balancing my checkbook and it's like quiller you literally have millions of dollars you could at least take like ten thousand dollars and put it in your account just to like not the just like ten thousand dollars is a lot but just put like a chunk of money that is not an absurd amount of money into your account so that you don't have problems (laughs) like what (laughs) I mean, he doesn't have real problems. No, no, of course he does not. But I think even further funneling the money down, I think because it was Hixie's idea, I think all of this is coming out of Hixie's marketing budget, like her, you know, media ad budget somehow. So I think it's funneling all the way down from the Klingage Gun Fund down to her specific budget at the newspaper. But it's obviously still coming from the Klingage Gun Fund. Yeah. And not Quillerin because he is refuses to admit that he's a rich person. <laughs> yeah, he is a cheapskate. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that performance goes horribly but really well at the same time, and they're kind of just like glad it's over. But um, I forget why. Oh, Quillerin is late because the cats steal his cue card that Hixie mm-hmm. needs for to you know for all the music cues or all the um, audio cues. Um, and so Quillerin's like racing around the house trying to find that and then Hixie is late why is Hixie late Julia do you remember (laughs) yeah because she was at a restaurant and it was super packed so she had to park in the woods um, and a a mouse (laughs) got into her car and as she was driving it climbed into her sleeve and she panicked (laughs) and drove into a ditch (laughs) yep yeah so she's telling this story to Quillerin and Quillerin's like okay so why are you late you were driving (laughs) Next, he's like, "Well, I had to have someone come pull me out of the ditch." Yeah. I was like, "Yeah, I mean, accurate. That would definitely would have happened to me." Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I feel like that's almost. I know there was like a lot of like little bits that we missed, but yeah, there are there were like little details of things. I'm sure they might become important later. The only other thing that I would say is probably important and like will be the end of our 
quarter of a book is that the the cliffhanger which is more it's more of a like waiting for part two not necessarily right you know it's yeah um so when junior comes back from florida um and he he's giving he and cooler and are like having lunch or meeting and kind of going over they're having donuts they're having donuts how could i forget oh my goodness how dare you yeah anyway they're having (laughs) they're talking over donuts um and kind of talking about you know like you know expenses and you know getting estates together and you know selling her property in florida back to the like housing people the like mobile home association and getting all of that together um and and quillerin so the person who found grandma grandma gage was a neighbor who was supposed to pick her up for shopping oh i think lunch lunch pick her up for something yeah um so yeah so what's what's gonna happen next is uh quillerin has decided he'd love to interview this this neighbor to see if she'll she'll spill the beans on what happens um he kind of pitches it as a like i would love to you know write an an article or like a little expose in the newspaper on your grandmother. So like, I'm going to do a little digging. Right. He frames so, it so that he can do more digging. It's not like said explicitly, but I think that's right. yeah, definitely what's happening. He's interested in what's going to happen. Oh, another thing that was like briefly mentioned that I think will probably come up later and tie in somehow, or just be another weird side story. Mm-hmm. Um, Arch heard from this like, young farm girl <laughs> oh right yeah um, about like a family problem that she wants to talk to Quillerin about we get no other information but Quillerin's like yeah I don't care about that I'm more interested in Grandma Gage's story so we like bypass it very quickly but I think right. it's gonna come back around no I think you're right because anything that Quillerin is like harumphing always becomes a clue later <laughs> yeah for sure um the other thing there are a couple other details i just remembered we do also learn from junior because along that same thread of quiller and becoming interested in the neighbor that found grandma gage is that junior also relays the information to quiller and that grandma gage has gotten into that also might be why i had racetracks on my mind earlier because she's apparently gotten into i think greyhound racing like betting on greyhound oh, races yeah mm-hmm and Quillerin's like, how did she get into that? And Junior says, oh, it was the na- that, that, that same neighbor that found her. And so Quillerin is like, oh, she's popping up a lot. And so I think that's how yeah. his little plan to interview her comes up. Um, and then the other thing that is very strange that comes up. Well, it's not very strange. It's just weird and probably doesn't, maybe won't factor in. But Junior says that he has come to a conclusion about why he now believes that Grandma Gage has actually fully, like, died by suicide. And his theory on it is that she believed in reincarnation and she was bored in Florida. Those are his almost exact words. And when that happens, yeah. so he says that in Quillerin's house as they're having these donuts and coffee. And as he's saying that, let me see the exact, like, what happens. But, like, Coco basically, oh, a strange sound came from under the kitchen table. And Junior says, what's that? And Quillerin says, that's Coco. He and Yum Yum are both under the table waiting for donut crumbs. Which I think it's probably Coco being like, I'm sorry, you think what now? 
(laughs) (laughs) So, not sure if that is anything important to relay for next time, but I did think that was quite... I just, I just don't know. It seemed quite preposterous to me, but yeah, I will just leave that. Yep. For another day. Yes. I mean, we'll find out in the coming chapters. Yes, we will. We will. Um, yeah. I'm really happy to be back with the cat who. Yeah. I missed Coco and Yum Yum and I guess Quiller and too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, you know what else? There was one other little thing that was really funny that doesn't really need to be in the timeline, but I think we'll come back later, maybe. Um, an orange cat shows up at Quillerin's doorstep, and Coco freaks out, and Yum Yum is like purring up a storm. And kinda into it. Yeah, kind of into it. And so Quilleran calls Lori Bamba and is like, what's happening? And Lori's like, oh, it's probably just a like a male cat into Yum Yum. And Coco got, you know, really threatened. And so, and Lori just casually is like, he probably sprayed all over your house, like all over the outside of your house. And Quilleran is so outraged. Yeah, Quilleran like loses it. He's like offended on behalf of Coco. Yeah. For like Yum Yum's companionship. He's like, how yeah. dare this cat? Yeah. Step into my cat's territory. <laughs> I think it's actually becoming a legal matter now because Quillerin literally meets with a lawyer the next day. And oh, you know what? But we don't know what he met with the lawyer about. No, that's true. I, in my mind, so envisioned I- that he was sending a cease and desist letter to the maybe lawyer who lives next door to be like, I assume this is your cat. I saw it running yeah. into your backyard. No, I think I'm glad you brought up the meeting with the lawyer. So he did have a meeting with a lawyer and it like very specifically did not mention what he was talking to this lawyer about. So I think Quillerin has something up his sleeve that we are not aware of at this current moment, but that will definitely come back around. I think the the cat thing will give him an excuse to go talk to his lawyer neighbor, which might be like kind of another side story. But I think the other lawyer thing is something different you might be right um i just am gonna really hold tight to the idea that he is trying to sue someone over cat piss i'm really (laughs) just hoping because i think that would be really funny um the other little bit too is that arch and mildred are getting married in a new new year's eve christmas eve new year's eve christmas eve uh i think christmas eve i think you're right yeah um, in a Christmas Eve ceremony, and he invites Quillerin to have a double wedding with him. <laughs> Which Quillerin and Polly both give a, a nice hearty note to. <laughs> yes, they do. They enjoy singlehood too much, which I still think is really funny that anyone who is not married is single. <laughs> yes, the fact that they're both considered single when they're very clearly not single. Right. They are an item. Um... Yeah, I can't think of anything else. Can you think of any other little tidbitsy, little clues, cluesy clues? No, I think that's that about covers it. Awesome. Um, well, yeah, thanks so much for listening, guys. We hope you're all having an excellent summer. And yeah, as always, pet your kitties for us. And your hermit crabs. <gasps> oh, and your hermit crab brothers. <laughs> and your hermit crab brothers. <laughs> 
Oh God! And guinea pigs. Oh, and your guinea pigs. Oh and my your God! Your little potato pigs. Oh, Petunia Tater Tot. We love you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye.